We believe you have a story to share. For 2,000 years, humankind has believed in the power of story. In healthcare, we're finding ways to better heal those who are in front of us. Join us as we explore healing stories now. Well, I want to welcome everyone to another edition of Healing Stories, Everyday Miracles and Everyday Lives. And it's my great honor to have Kira Polson with us, mm-hmm. someone who in so many regards is on the forefront of telling the truth and has been someone who has written two marvelous books, The Hidden Gifts Within the Trauma of Sexual Abuse and Rise Up and Awaken to the Joy of Being Human. It almost feels like it should be a theme song in that second book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you would, uh, as we do with all of our guests, uh, we just really have one simple question, which is, could you tell us who you are? Mm. Thank you. Um, I'm a mother, so I have five wild, crazy, beautiful children. And I am, I'm a spiritual entrepreneur. I love business and I love the divine. And so I really love pulling those two together and helping women rise up as leaders that are directed by the divine. That's really my purpose. I say this prayer every time I'm on a podcast, every time I um, coach, every time I do anything where I'm going to speak, I do this prayer black. okay? So once you close your eyes, take a deep breath in and just drop into your heart. And then I always just ask that light will surround us, that we will be protected, that we will be shielded. And then I do invite all of my angels and my guides and my leaders and my teachers and my helpers um, and into the highest order of truth and compassion, the divine light to lead, guide, direct, and support me. And then I ask that light will be placed on my ears that I may spiritually hear what needs to be heard, that light will be placed on my third eye, that I will have access to all of my spiritual gifts, that light may cleanse my lips, that I may speak only what needs to be spoken with clarity, truth, and power. (sighs) Amen. Yeah. And it, um, it really does allow me to just be a vessel and, and not get in the way of things because I'm totally human. And, um, I just need, you know, the divine's help to help me say what needs to be said. And, um, and then I own Freedom House Publishing Co., which is a publishing house for women who write books guided by God. (laughs) That's awesome. I, I think when you look at just the ability to be in this space, you and I, of letting someone's voice speak, isn't that true that it seems you've done that for your life? Yeah. Well, for the last four years, I feel like, uh, I had an awakening four years ago and, and, um, it's like someone put my life on ultra speed Uh (laughs) and, um, and you know, I'm so grateful. I love what I do. I have a podcast called awaken, um, the awaken podcast, or really we just talk about people's awakenings, how to awaken to God, how to hear God, how to start working as like a vessel for God and feel really passionate about all of those things. This word awaken is so important in our moment with uh, COVID, 
with uh, the killing of George Floyd, with what you have written about in terms of abuse. Mm-hmm. How do you uh, be with people who you can even feel that they just are waiting to be awakened? What are some of the ways, even those who are listeners right now, how do you awaken someone? Yeah. Well, the only thing I know is my my own experience, right? Which was, um, it was about four years ago. And all of a sudden I just realized like, I don't even know how to dream anymore. Hmm. Like, I don't even know what what I want. I felt so empty. I had reached my dream of being a mother. I had five kids and I was like, I don't what do I do now? Like <laughs> I'm like 33 and what, what what I have no idea what I'm supposed to do in this world. And and so I just began to pray every day. Like God show me my purpose. And that was a consistent prayer for like five months every day. Like God show me why I'm here. And that seeking and that asking woke up (laughs) a life I don't think I would have ever said yes to but I'm saying yes now and he showed me one step at a time it's really powerful that you had a daily intention and you stuck with it and maybe that's part of awaken is this isn't going to happen when you just have, you know, a nice yoga class or Pilates workout. I mean, this might take a little more than a payment to something. But I imagine even with your first book, The the Hitting Gifts Within the Trauma of Sexual Abuse, there is something there, I imagine, of your own journey. And those who are listening now and Myself, having been a consultant for a very large organization that dealt with sex abuse, that this is not something that you get over quickly. No. How, how would you think of awakening in terms of that? And maybe could you share a little bit of that experience? Um, because this is a very uh, challenging topic right now, especially in a pandemic where people have been isolated and some of the demons have really come out. Mm. I feel that. And, and I do really want to, um, share, like, it's not something you get over quickly. I, I've still am in deep healing, deep therapy. So what if I wrote a book? I wrote a book because God asked me to write a book, not because I'm healed. (laughs) Right. Like it's a, it's a lifetime, especially sexual abuse. Sexual abuse just messes with so many different boundaries and layers and levels and psyche and, Um, you know, that was a part of my awakening. I always knew I had been abused. It was not like it was hidden from my mind, but I really felt fine. I was like, I'm a really strong person. I'm fine. You know? And, um, I could talk about it. It didn't seem to bug me. And, um, and then I had uh, someone I knew came to me and told me that they've been sexually abused. And that, that when you talk about waking up the demons, It was like, yeah, I can go through it, but not somebody I know or love. Mm -hmm. And it ripped my pain open. Mm -hmm. And, And that's actually how I believe God answered me when I asked him for five months, what is my purpose? This came, this explosion of pain where I actually, I really did actually want to commit suicide. And I almost did because the pain is so intense from sexual abuse. It's so intense. It, it, there really is no words that can explain that pain. And when I realized that somebody else had been abused, like all of a sudden I was like, why do I want to stay in this crappy world? <laughs> like, what, what is this world? I don't want to live here. 
Like, you know, if God can't protect me and protect those I love, then I'm out. Hmm. And, and then God had other plans for me and really was very clear with me that I had work to do. And so I made a, a deep commitment that if I was going to live, then he better show me why. And, and God has shown me step by step the marvelous things that I'm here to do. And I truly believe that those who have been through sexual abuse are some of the most gifted humans mm. and that they have the biggest work to do. And the reason is to heal from that type of abuse creates a space for awakening your gifts. So I don't know if that answered your question, but that's what came. Well, I don't want to go fast. Yeah. I want to hold the space because this is uh, not easy, right? Yeah. And, and even someone, if it was one person who was listening to this, could understand that they have something to do because of what happened to them. Maybe that life of being a victim isn't the life to choose. Uh, and I'm so struck by even those in a religious context who have been hurt. Mm-hmm. And, and to really have a world that acknowledges that and not have it be uh, swept under the rug like we've seen time and time again. And this is what this moment is, right? Uh, of, of having a voice and then being able to almost reframe it is what I see you doing in some regards, right? Yeah. I, you know, what's so crazy is um, as I began to speak about sexual abuse, which was so scary, Mm-hmm. Like, uh, when God, and I, and I say, you know, I believe God speaks to all of us. So I don't put myself in any way of like, God just talks to me. Like, I believe God speaks to anybody, everybody, if they just choose to hear God. And I feel like God definitely told me to write this book. And I was like, I'm not writing that book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't care. I'm not going to tell everybody that I've been sexually abused. I'm not going to, uh, dive into the depths of that darkness And, um, but I, you know, when God asks, I'm definitely a yes. So I I allowed this book to come through and, you know, it was really interesting. People just started showing up, sharing with me, you know, more people than you can ever imagine. It's just, Ooh, it's really hard. It's really hard to get the level of how many people have been through this type of tragic, um, abuse. And, and one by one, I was like, oh my gosh, these are some of the gift, most gifted humans I've ever known. I already knew they were gifted because I knew who they were. But to know what if, what if those who've been through this type of abuse get to have deeper gifts because they know pain at a deeper level? And, and isn't it true that we kind of gravitate towards pain and not love when we've been hurt? Uh, Bruce Springsteen just finished this Western Skies movie, and he says that quote. And I mean, that guy's still trying to heal himself. I don't know what he's got going on, but I mean, it is in a way we, you know, you get isolated. And even in COVID now with that pain, and I just see you as a courageous human being, five children, experiences that could a lot of people just not get out of bed and and to hold that trauma right I mean not to not to act like it's just something you sweep away but it's a daily work as you know we we are humans together rather than isolated right yeah and now you're go ahead I just I, I really think the pain the reason why we stick to pain is because when you've been through that trauma pain begins to be um 
a little bit like a protector, mm. right? Like, oh, uh, if I always remember this pain, then I'm not going to open up and put myself in a vulnerable situation, which means I'm most likely going to be hurt again. So the pain has this really weird way of being a protector. Then you say, I, I have another book in me. And, <laughs> and now I listen to your podcast, which is extraordinary because you are very real on it and saying that this book almost didn't come about because I was trying to be too perfect. And you can't let perfect be the enemy of the good, right? And so here you have this new book uh, called Rise Up and Awaken to the Joy of Being Human. It feels like that song that Ellen jumps off to and runs down the stairs with of, you know, from uh, Pink. How does one rise up in this moment of COVID, of of, we're going to see some real challenges to mental health, I think, as we come out of the pandemic? Um, You're awakening us, but then how do you rise up? I think it's such a good question. I'll tell you why I wrote this book. So, so one of my biggest traps is suffering. So it's really easy for me to get stuck in suffering, like um, feeling pain, feeling sad, feeling dark. It's just like a trap. It's a trap for me. And because I've had a lot of different traumas in my life, like beyond the abuse, I mean, like most people, it sucks. But like, if you've been through abuse, then you kind of attract other traumas. So I've definitely walked my fair share of traumas. And suffering has just been a comfortable place. And um, back in July, we actually had COVID. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for us, luckily, it was just like a really yucky flu. And, um, so one of my kids, my six-year-old, he, um, he was five at the time. He was really sick on the bed. And so it was like four o'clock in the afternoon and I was laying next to him and I fell asleep. And I I noticed that time because it, it was a different sleep than I normally have. Like it was like this, um, out of body sleep. And I had this very clear vision. And even though, uh, I'm not saying this vision is truth, I believe that this vision was to teach me something. And in the vision, I saw myself like so excited to leave the the spirit world, heaven, whatever you want to call it, the pre-world place. And so excited to like really do what I've been trained to do, come to earth and fast forward in the dream. I find myself back there and I'm like, what happened? Mm. I missed the whole ride. And I was like, I was like, what happened? And they're like, you got stuck in suffering. You got stuck in it, but it happens to everyone. So guess what? It's going to be different. And not that I was raised in any sort of like, you get multiple lifetimes, because that was not how I was raised. (laughs) That was not the religion I was raised in. But in this dream, I got to go again. And I remember looking at all of my angels and I said, I need you to help me remember. And they said to me, we will be there in the smells. We will be there in the birds that fly by you. We will be there to help you remember joy. And that was, I woke up and I saw this book. Like I saw it, like I see you, it was so crazy. And, and so I began to write this book and I believe that they're not my words because a lot of the stuff I like actually don't know. And, um, mostly it's helping us feel the joy of being human, which is strangely in our senses. 
right? So um, the beginning of this book is a guide on how do you actually start to seek and feel joy. And then it's a 30-day practice of every day going through, what did I see today that brought me joy? What did I seek? What did I smell? What did I touch? What did I feel? What did I eat? And when we can feel the joy by sensing it, what happens is that begins to be stronger. And our brain is so amazing because wherever we put the pathways, it begins to go there. So if we've always put the pathways to suffering, suffering is obviously where you're going to drive. It's the most clean and clear road in your brain. You're always going to suffering. And so my plan is with this book is to really wake up this pathway in your brain of feeling joy in your body so that every day that begins to be the road that's paved in your brain. And it's by small and simple things that joy then gets to be awakened. It's beautiful that we can experience that in our bodies, right? And it doesn't have to be a drug. It doesn't have to be a flight to Hawaii. That would be beautiful. But I mean, there's something in us that is screaming of beauty. And I love this vibrational thing that you're talking about. I brought uh, this mm-hmm. this bowl today. His name was Tukfin. And one of my friends, uh, Alex, she's actually the godmother of our fourth child. I don't have five, but she and I and my wife, Allie, went to his store and he brought this bowl back from Tibet. And he gave it to me and he said, you know, you get to progress in terms of vibrations. And I just wanted to, I was thinking of you today as I found this. And if you hear it. I've had physicians in my office unable to do that who are, who are heart surgeons. And it just strikes me that we have an opportunity to have a vibration of joy and help us, help us to do that. That's what your book is doing, right? You believe that. I do. I do believe it. And I, I feel so grateful. Oh my gosh. I just feel so grateful that like God led us to where we live now. I'm literally just looking. I I landed here in June. We moved six or four States away. I don't know. We live in Idaho. Now we moved from Arizona to Idaho and we got to live on this Hill where every day I'm going to cry because it is like so grateful that every day I'm out my back window. I got actually watched the sun rise over this huge mountain range. It actually looks just like what you have behind you. And every day I start in the space of massive joy mm-hmm. for that, mm-hmm. that I actually get to witness the sunrise. And like, there's just these moments that we get, there's these moments and I call them capturing pockets of joy. There are these moments that happen where they are full of joy. And if we capture them in our heart and in our mind, it expands our experience of joy. And that's really what this 30-day journal is helping you do is that at the end of the day, I have you write out, what are you suffering with? Like, let's clear it out. We're not going to just ignore it. We're not going to try and put icing on top of a pile of poo. Like, let's clear it out. And so we walk through the suffering. We walk through the worries. And then 
we think, well, what was the best moment of joy today? Let's find it because it was there. And the more you seek it, the more show up. And it is true. You become what you surround yourself with, right? I mean, people would say you want to put it in your body. You're really, this is not my body. This is my body of the ham and the green eggs and ham that I just had this morning with my kids. Sorry, Dr. Zeus. But, you know, I mean, in a way, you become what you consume. And I I was just talking with one of our greatest friends out in Colorado, speaking of mountains. And Lori was saying just, what are we going to do about this negativity in our world? Mm -hmm. And I think to myself, isn't this our situation? How do you work with people in creating, I know one of the great phrases you use is sacred space. How do you allow for sacred space to develop in our hearts and our world so that negativity doesn't have a place? Yeah, I mean, that's the dream, right? The dream is that. I I believe it all just starts within us, right? So if every single one of us listening today created a sacred space physically or within, it just begins to roll. So I love to talk about sacred space because this I think is so, so, so important, right? Um, I believe that if you ask God to show you where you can put a sacred space in your home and you put that prayer up and then just wait, wait and see, see what ideas come, right? Like we moved here to have land, but that means we actually got a really small house and we have five kids. So I was like, I don't know where my sacred space is going to be during the winter. Cause in the summer, I actually have it in my grove because that feels good. <laughs> but in the winter, I was not going to be out there. And then all of a sudden I got this idea. There's a lot of space at the back of my pantry. All right. That's my sacred space. So it doesn't have to be like, well, I have a yoga studio that has all these, like, no, it's in the back of my pantry. And anybody who comes to my house is like, what is that shrine back there? That's my mom's sacred space, (laughs) right? And no one goes there. No one goes to that spot. And so when you get the idea of where it goes, I like to teach people that they can actually ask God to pour light through that space to clean it, cleanse it, and dedicate it to the communion with the divine. And when you lay that down, it does make it holy. And then you make a commitment every day to go there. And every day you go there, spend time in prayer, spend time in meditation. I have a lot of really fun things I do in my sacred space. We could talk about that for three hours. But what are the things that make you happy? What are the things that make you be at peace? What are the things that allow you to receive from God? That is what we create in that sacred space. And when I work with women who come to me and they say, because every woman I work with deals with crazy levels of darkness. Because they're here to do some seriously amazing things, which means that if you have a lot of light, you deal with a lot of darkness. And so we begin with sacred space. That's all we do. It's all we do is let's get you into a place of communing with the divine. And if every person did that, can you imagine what this world would be like? Amazing. Joyful. Be Joyful. It would be a ton of people doing exactly what God needs them to do. Like it would be a bunch of people who are just vessels for light. Mm -hmm. It would be extraordinary because every woman I work with, when they do this, everything shifts for them. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden they start getting ideas. They start seeing visions. They start hearing and then they start creating. And then it's just ripples of light from there. This place of creation is something you've written a lot about and 
in a period of time where we're all trying, I think, to get to our voice, to our sacred space pantry, wherever that is. And I can't wait for people to build their space. Creation can be just as scary as trauma. And, and how to create in this period of time, I think that's the opportunity. The fear that wants to keep people inside, I think we're in a moment of creation. Uh, like we might never see before. How would you talk about how to educate people about creation? Well, this is my favorite thing. And I mean, you know, obviously I love birth. I have five children. <laughs> I have five children. I would have 10 children if my husband said yes. And if I didn't have to actually raise them. But I love birth. And the reason why I love birth is because it's this very sacred creation with God. Like, to truly bring forward a child with only the divine power. Like there's no other way. And that's how I see all creation. Mm -hmm. When we look at creating as just us collaborating with God, it takes away the fear because like, you don't have to know anything. Like I said, that book I wrote, I wrote it in four weeks while homeschooling five kids, while running my publishing house. And I wrote a 30 course digital class for my spiritual entrepreneurs in the same four weeks. That is a testament that when we create with God, everything's possible. You actually don't have to know anything. Like you don't have to know anything. You just have to be a yes. And that's why there's no fear in creation. Like I have zero fear. When God asked me to set up this publishing system and hire people and train them, it was a matter of like, sweet. All right. Well, I'm going to show up and then I'm just going to ask God to do it because I don't know how to do it. I didn't go to school for this. I didn't even go to college. Like who cares if you're a yes, creation just gets to be this beautiful dance with the divine. It isn't dancing fun. I mean, so even, with, even with those who are not sure how to dance, I, I work with someone who said, you know, what was it? Fred Astaire had to dance with Ginger Rogers or whatever. And she had high heels on, you know, so she had the tough work. And I feel like that's part of the work that you do for our world is you dance in heels, you know, I mean, <laughs> and isn't that powerful for women to have a voice now? We are not the same. How do we get that voice out there? If, just as we're wrapping up here, I think that the most exciting creation could be that women's voice now is at an echelon that it hasn't been before. Are there ways that those who are males like me or people who are leaders in health systems could be more cognizant that this is the voice of, of the sacred? Uh, how, how do we do this? I don't know. I will tell you, and this is like so bold of me to say, but I am going to say it because it just keeps coming to me. But two weeks ago, I was in my sacred space. And then I heard these words. This is the age of the prophetess. And for me, it was, this is the only time since the beginning of time that it is safe for women to truly stand up and speak these divine messages of light, like really transform people's lives. And I hold that in so much sacredness, especially with what I do. And I think as men start to honor, like really honor that the women in their lives, the women they know have this beautiful connection with the divine. They just get to hold the space for it. Listen to them, see them, hear them. And that's all they need. And then they'll just shine. Well, here's to shining and here's to seeing and here's to loving. 
And I want to just thank you because the people who are trying to give the voice to what's inside of their sacred space, you're giving the courage for them to do that. If people wanted to find you, how would they find you? If they came to Idaho, I kind of feel like it's the field of dreams, but I mean, how would they come and find you, Kira? <laughs> One day I will have a place here where uh, there's many dreams of what I'm going to create. But right now, if they just go to my website, kirapolson.com, or the fastest way, if someone wants to reach out to me, is go to Instagram. It's just my name, Kira Polson. I answer all of my DMs. So that's the quickest way. It's kind of like a text in a way. And um, I'm just here to support really humanity and awakening to the divine. Great to be with you, Kira. Uh, a wonderful, wonderful weekend to, to hear the voice of the divine. So thank you. Mm, thank you so much for having me. This was such a joy. Thank you. Time heals all wounds. Join us for our next episode of Healing Stories. Healing Stories.